Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. In my city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 278th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I'm Brian Nemhauser. You can find me on Twitter at Hawk Blogger. And we're here to talk about, unfortunately, a close 17 to 13 loss by the Seahawks in Cincinnati against the Bengals in a game that really did not go according to script. I think almost any script. Um, and what we saw in this game was a Seahawks defense that largely locked down a Bengals offense with a healthy Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, uh, with T Higgins back, Joe Mixon playing, and they put up 17 points and three of those points came after an interception in the Seahawks side of the field where they didn't move the ball at all and just got a, a 52 yard field goal. So, you know, really the Seahawks held this team to two offensive possessions where the Bengals moved the ball and scored. Um, I think we would have all taken that at the beginning of the year uh, or the beginning of the week um, ended up, you know, not, not really working out as we would have hoped, but uh, I think the defense significantly outperformed expectations. Uh, and then on the other side, you've got a Bengals offense or sorry, a Bengals defense that has been absolutely atrocious uh, defending the run um, had given up, uh, 140 yards in four to the five games they had played this year um, to opposing teams, 170 yards plus in three of the four games this year. They were ranked 31st and 32nd in rush yards against and yards per carry against. And the Seahawks running game, for my money, that was where this game was lost. I know we'll talk a lot about Geno Smith. We'll talk about other pieces of this game. But the Seahawks ended up with 87 yards on 25 attempts on the ground for only 3.5 yards per carry. And that honestly, like that was the big difference. We can talk about the red zone, obviously three, three possessions down in the red zone. Now four, actually at the end of the game, you come away with three points. You're not going to win many games when that happens, especially when you also lose the turnover battle. The fact of the matter is for them to do all those things, and still have a chance to win at the game at the end is, is pretty crazy. So definitely not the game script. I think most of us expected. Let me bring in Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB. Uh, Evan, how are you feeling after this game? What's your, what's your reaction? Five red zone opportunities, 10 points, 10 points. DK Metcalf. I think you could argue was a net negative today. Say more. I'm really frustrated with him. He had two very flagrant plays that were, um, I think, game-defining plays. One more so, the interception where he stopped running the route for whatever reason. No idea why. Um, and then the, uh, the play down the left sideline where the DB got into his head and, you know, he just caused a sportsman like conduct penalty or whatever after the play. Um, I'm so frustrated with this offense. Like I, like as, as frustrated as I am with this offense, I am equally as encouraged and thrilled and like so proud of this defense because 
this defense in the first quarter, this was kind of like a tale of like, it was like they were salt. They stiffened up like halfway through the second, but they gave up 14 points in the first quarter. And I was like, Oh shit. You know, this is, this could be, this could get nasty real quick. If Seattle cannot get it together on offense, but they stiffened up. Jamal looked good today. Trey Brown had a fucking hell of a day. He was the best player on uh, the field today, for, in my perspective. Two game-defining um, plays with the interception and then uh, the third down pass breakup it, with, you know, with two and a half minutes left to play. Offense caused an OPI. He was a stud. I could not be more thrilled with how um, uh, they played. Uh, Jamar Chase did get his. Um, God, I'm just, Gino's got to be better, man. He's got to be better. Like I know this, this, this offensive line had, had struggled in pass protection today. Jake Curhan had, had a really rough day. Um, and we, when we talk about like looking forward to, to the future and like what this like trend looks like to me, that's like the biggest concern actually is the right tackle position. We have real legitimate doubts and concerns about Abe Lucas and his ability to return at, at full health. And there, I think there's some mystery there. Um, that right tackle spot's going to be a problem if, if, if this is how Jake Curhan's going to play. So I'm just, I'm just emotionally exhausted right now, guys. That was, um, that was tough. Um, it's not the most, I, I'll say this though. Uh, it's not the most frustrating loss. I don't think I've ever, we've ever experienced as a Seahawks fan. Like I'm seeing, a, I know this is weird for me to be saying this. Um, I feel like I'm seeing some overreactions on Twitter. I know I'm normally the one that's overreacting. This was tough, but um, God, this could have been a lot messier if this defense didn't stiffen up today. So, you know, the Bengals are good. They're a good football team. We had to travel to Cincinnati on a 10 a.m. window to do this. Just wish we could have stole this one. So yeah. it hurts. Yeah, Dana, I'll bring in Dana O'Gorman, Dana O.G. on Twitter. Dana, it's interesting. I look at this and I had wildly different expectations than I think a lot of different Seahawks fans did. And uh, that I really think Cincinnati is, you know, they came into this season as a potential like AFC representative mm -hmm. or, you know, a true contender for getting to the Super Bowl. They've been to the AFC Championship, what, in back to back years or something like that. Uh, they were getting healthy. Everyone was talking about it. Mm -hmm. And they're a tough team. I think every single one of us picked this game as a loss heading into the season. And I kind of walk away and I'm like, yeah, Jake Curran sucks. Jake Curran's never going to be our best right tackle. I totally get that. Geno Smith had some really frustrating plays. But I also think that offensive line, especially in the second half, contributed to some of that. Mm-hmm. And what I walk away with is that young secondary. Devin Witherspoon, three pass breakups. Trey Brown, two passes defensed. Uh, Joe Burrow had nothing. I mean, he could do nothing. And the pass rush, Boye Mafe gets another sack. I I'm not trying to say it's like a moral victory. I guess I just – I would have thought that if, if the offense played like this, we would have lost 30-13. to 13. Or, at or, least 30 to 13. Right. Here's the thing. I'm getting eaten alive on Twitter right now. That's why my name is Pink Sunglasses. Some guy was being an asshole, basically making fun of that I was a girl and was positive about it. But here's the thing, you guys. We none of us thought they would win this game. The Bengals are one of the best teams in football, but they had injuries. So I think that got people's hopes up a little bit, right? Like we started to really think that this was a winnable game. And it was a winnable game. Had a few different plays come through, the Seahawks would have won this game. That would have been a huge victory for Seattle because it's still one of the best teams and one of the best coach teams in the league. Here's what I was thrilled about. Gino did look a mess a lot of the times. Why the hell they abandoned the run, I don't understand at all. Completely baffling to me. Although, yes, Cincinnati was defending it much better in the second half than they did in the first half, but that's okay. But here's what's interesting to me. Our main concern for this team all year long was the defense. And look what they just did. One of the best teams in football, one of the grittiest teams. Now, this is a this is a team who never wins pretty, right? The Bengals rarely win a pretty game. They always are in it and they're fighting for it. And this defense stepped up. They looked complete. Brian, you tweeted before at the beginning of the game, 
that this was the first time that the whole secondary was actually going to be on the field. And I liked what I saw. Yes, this game was frustrating in a lot of moments. I got really mad. I think the play calling was very questionable a few times. I'm not, I could go into a couple of them, but, but I actually liked that Seattle was in this whole entire game the whole time. And I liked that they started to look complete on defense. I'm a little worried about the offense. And I don't know if I should be worried about Gino. I don't know if I should be worried about the wide receivers. I don't know if I should be worried about P. I'm not sure what's going on with the offense. But I also saw that first drive that was so perfectly put together. And so I'm curious. So am I mad about this game? Yes, I would have loved for them to have won it. But I didn't think they were going to. So I think maybe that's why it's a little easier for me to look at it that way. Yeah, I mean, Evan, I I think that there's – a huge risk of like just waving away this game and like not not criticizing the Seahawks for the things that they did poorly. Oh, so I I wouldn't I, I don't, I'm not in that camp yeah. at all. And this is a game like if, if you're if you're really believing that the Seahawks can can contend or like really like position themselves in the in the playoff picture, then this is a killer loss. I mean, you had every chance to win this game and you blew time after time after time. And to your point, like Gino held onto the ball way too long. Some we'll talk about the offensive line, but Gino, like he wasn't even like you got to at some point recognize that the pass rush is getting there. So you got to get rid of it. And sometimes you just you cannot take a fourth down sack. You just can't. Mm-hmm. You gotta, even if it's an interception in the end zone, you gotta put it up to give someone a chance at making a play. And I think Shane Waldron deserves some some mm-hmm. criticism here as well because. There clearly wasn't the first read, second read, whatever Cincinnati was doing defensively. Gino was not seeing what anything uh, great. A lot of the replays were like, it wasn't like there was a guy open that Gino was missing most of the time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Evan, I'm just so dumbfounded. Sad. I'm just dumbfounded. It's like this offensive line got Charles Cross back. back. And they have faced tougher pass rushes, right? They they completely neutered the Lions pass rush. Um, and I'm just like, I, what the fuck happened to this offense? Yeah, that's fair. Like, what the fuck? And Curran was a disaster. He was today. an absolute liability, both mm-hmm. in pass protection and in run run pro. He was horrible. Horrible. Yeah, maybe it was the injury he got. If you want to give him some excuse, I'll throw a I'll throw a, a hypothesis out there, and I don't know if this is going to hold water when we see the final numbers. What do we talk about with the the tackles being out that the Seahawks were doing to combat that? They were running multiple tight end sets, right? Mm-hmm. They're doing multiple tight end sets a lot. Seahawks had done that sixth most in the NFL, and they were number one in the NFL in EPA running that package. Who had their best day as a Seahawk today on offense? Jackson Smith and Jigba mm-hmm. had his best day today. I think they were running more three wide receiver. They got Charles Cross back. I think they had less help in pass pro than they potentially have had. Mm-hmm. And maybe that, like, I looked at EPA in, in three wide receiver packages. The Seahawks were mid last year in that, and they're the same mid this year. And so maybe they just went to three receiver and they're just not that good in that in that package. I don't know, but that that's one theory of, of like what maybe changed with Charles cross coming back. I'm just, I'm in a state of confusion right now. It's why I'm kind of at a, at a loss for words right now. I don't feel like I can point to a single player on offense and really be like, man, this guy really fucking sucked today. And you know, he, he clearly made a ton of mistakes. I don't feel like I can do that. Like DK did have some redeeming moments today, but Gino played poor. This offensive line played mm-hmm. poor. I don't feel like receivers were getting open enough consistently. I'm just, I'm just kind of at a loss for words. I, I, I did not expect that from this offense. So, I mean, how I, I've, I've seen people like Gino was awful today. Yeah, I didn't see that. I, I, Gino made some fantastic throws today. Like out of this world throws today. He his did. worst, his worst play by far was the pick uh, to JSN. That was a forced throw. It was terrible. Can't happen in the red zone. 
absolutely bad play. I think his other bad plays were taking sacks in the red zone. Those were really bad. But I, I mean, are people forgetting the pass to, to lock it? Like, but Brian, he like, almost also threw another pick on that last drive as well to uh, the tight end. Oh, you mean on, in the red zone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he had some highs. I agree. Yeah. He made some throws, but he, he very well could have had three interceptions today. Yeah. And four or five absolute painful sacks that he should not have taken. Yeah. 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 I, I'm not saying Gino had a good game, okay. but this notion okay. that he was horrible is, yeah. is wild to me. Like he, he, made I think he some, was bad. I think he was like 300 yards. Well, I think, he, yeah, I would say bad is fine. Like, I would go with, like, bad. Uh, like, ultimately, in a game, you're going to have a hard time winning with the plays that he didn't sure. make. But horrible? Like, no way. I mean, I, I thought this guy, you know, made a ton of really, really good throws in this game. But, like... Listen, I listen, can I say I, something? Can, can I say something? I know people want to be mad. I know that people, you know, it's so funny about this fan base, and I love them for it, is that when Seattle gets on a roll, they expect them to continue this role, knowing, even knowing the flaws that we have within the system, right? Like, we know that there's these flaws. I think that, though, because we've been so conditioned the last couple of years to see the flaws on defense, we just were a little blindsided by the flaws on offense, right? Like, it was a little more surprising. But I'm with you, Brian. I... DK, or um, excuse me, Gino was fine today. And that's, and I don't use fine often. Fine to me is a four letter F word, but I don't, he was fine today, but there were lots of other problems. And if you, I really think that you can point to that line a little bit of being a disastrous mess, but you know, here is, here is the thing. They kept us in the game. The defense kept us in the game. I'm not saying this was a good game in any way, shape, or form. It's a great game for defense. I'm crowing about that. You guys know how much I'm, how happy I am. I think that I'm so glad. And Jamal made it through the whole game. Hallelujah, right? But here is what we have to look at: is that most of us understand that this team is not Super Bowl bound this year. And so everything I saw coming out of this game today from the defense and from most of the younger players, I thought JSN looked really good today. Um, seem to be on the way up against one of the better teams in the NFL. I guess that's why I'm having a hard time being so mad about this game. I I don't think there's much to be mad about. Frustrated? Sure. Disappointed in? Sure. But how can you be mad about this game when they just played the Bengals, who have been to the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl in the last couple years and one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and they were in the thick of it till the very last play? Yeah, I I think the people just... No one wants to hear after a loss that you're okay. Like I think that's what I, we're. That's tell- fair. I, no, no one's like, okay. like that's a pretty like, that's a mentality that isn't like going to be popular. And I I totally get it. The ha- it happens to be like Gina uh, Dana. You and I are I think in very similar places. Yeah. And I think almost all this has to do with expectation. Yep. I don't think the Seahawks are a Super Bowl contender this year. I don't think they're that close to being a Super Bowl contender this year. And so what I thought one of the biggest one of the biggest barriers to the Seahawks being a legitimately good team that's building towards something that can be a contender is the defense. Yeah. That has been an absolute disaster for years. This was arguably the best game the defense has played mm-hmm. in years. Yep. Like when you take into account the opponent, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I thought this was a very, very, very good game by the defense. And Evan, you said it like they were as good as the defense, as the offense was bad. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking just... at this big picture. I do think that the fact that the defense played the way it did is a bigger deal than the offense played the way it did. That's where I'm at. Ultimately. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. It's just really frustrating that they can't put it together in one game against a really tough opponent but it's like this is an offense where if we rewind you know four or five weeks back you know this was an offense where we were like this is going to be a top three four or five unit in the yeah. nfl that's what yeah. our expectations should be because yeah. they're loaded with talent yeah they're, they're loaded there's no talent shortage um i do think you can point to shane waldron today and look at some of that red zone play calling 
as as very suspect. I think we should look at the all twenty twenty or the all twenty two after this. But I just um, it's just so frustrating. I just they can't put it together. On a, it, 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 here's the thing, guys. If they if they sneak out a win today, I don't care how ugly it is. It is a massive difference for uh, their playoff hopes because oh, sure. because now we're at two losses, which is you know it's still a decent record, but. If you want to make the playoffs and looking at the situation with the Niners, you know, you've got a hard slate of schedule of remaining games, especially later in the season. You start talking about six, seven potential losses. They're fringe playoff contenders at that point. So it's just a game you need to win. I think if, if you want to make the playoffs and that's frustrating. So do you come out of this game thinking that the Seahawks have, a better chance or a worse chance to beat the Cardinals, Browns, Ravens, and Commanders in the next four weeks. You see what the Niners are doing with the Browns right now? I do. I do. <laughs> I haven't been watching the full game. I need, I need to look up an update. It is, the the, the Browns the are at the – where are they at? They're at the San Francisco 13-yard line with the ball, 155 to go, and they're down by one point. Here's the thing. McCaffrey's hurt. Got Shanahan. What did I tell you? What happened? Did Trent Williams? They got a couple injuries. Back? Yeah, Trent Williams. I don't think Trent Williams came back either. I don't know. I was live streaming the Seahawks okay. game. I know Debo's out. Didn't come no, back. I think Shanahan. Trent did. I think they wrapped him up or something. Um, mm. I think there was one more injury too. Was it I, Fred I have Warner? a friend who's a 49ers There's, fan, and she said, and it begins. Is <laughs> Debo, Trent Williams, and then... McCaffrey. I thought McCaffrey came back, but maybe I'm wrong. He came back for one play and then went back to the locker room. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's, it is, I'll, I'll keep you, you updated on that game, but uh, Brown still had the ball 155 or so to go. They could just, um, they could just kneel it and kick a field goal though. Right. If they're only down one. Yeah. Now it's fourth no. down and seven. Uh, looks like just 148 to go. San Francisco. It looks like they still have two timeouts. I know. Now they have one timeout. Um, so, Jason not, Myers hit a 55-yard field goal. Oh Lord, I knew that was the That was his best contribution all year. That was like, a, that's a hard kick. It was. I mean, but like you're paid like the best kicker in football. That's a kick you got to make. Like at some point, he hadn't made a, a kick over 50 yards all year. Really? That first, yes, that was his first make over 50 yards all year. How many so, attempts has he had at 50 beyond? I think like two, three. I think they said two or three. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, yeah, like the chat is furious with Dana and I, we are like completely okay. out of touch. I don't really care to be honest. Like I feel how I feel like I, I it's like, you guys don't know me. I've been doing the show for how many years now? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like I just, um, I just, I thought Gino had a bad game. I get why people yeah. are pissed. I thought the offensive line had a bad game. We also are like, we are holding out until we can get Abe Lucas back. And if he doesn't come back, I think you're right, Evan. I think our chances go way down. That's a big that's problem. Just, but that's the reality. Like nothing about this game changes that. If anyone, did you think Jake Curran was like a legitimate starting right tackle before today? No, but I thought he was going to play better than he did today. I think Brian's point though, the fact that they pulled the tight ends and he didn't have all the extra help blocking was a big part of this. I think that that was definitely it. I have a question for you too. So it was brought up to me um, by another person. This is not my idea that with current having such a problem, Stone Forsyth has played on the other side of the line before. Mm -hmm. Do you try that experiment? If Lucas can't come back, so you have Cross on one side and bring Stone in on the other? I think, I think Jason Peters is where I go. I think Fair. I forget about him. Yeah. That's what I thought they might do this week, but they didn't yeah. elevate him. That's fair. I forget about him. Yeah. I'm sure it's taking him a few weeks to get into shape, right? Because he was sitting on his couch before this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, this, the coaches get a little bit overly excited about <sighs> their tackles and they, they kind of read their own press a little bit. I don't think Kerhan and Forsyth have been good at tackles since the Detroit game. Um, and so I think this was the first game that got really exposed, but I do want to take a second to, to thank the people that are giving us uh, super chat, uh, a Brown's 47, uh, really, really appreciate this. Appreciate y'all talking after a massively missed opportunity today was in the grass twice at the end and couldn't make it happen. That's it. Like, um, 
Gino, Gino's going to wear that. Like mm-hmm. any quarterback that wants to be considered a good quarterback, a top quarterback in the league, you can't get that many chances and not come away with it. Yep. Period. Like there's, there's no, like, there's no equivocation. Like Gino's got to be the guy that can get that ball to win the game, like win the game when you get three, four chances to do so. And he didn't do it. So he deserves, he deserves that criticism. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm just a little surprised with how effective the Bengals were at generating a really effective pass rush. Like there were multiple times where they were only sending four guys and like there was not any time for oh, Gino line. at yeah. all. Like four guys. They weren't sending a blitz, that mm-hmm. thing. They weren't sending the house. Yeah. And I just, I think we're going to have to like look at film after this because I don't know what they did, but they were way more effective than I think my expectations were for getting to Gino because this Cincy, we talked about this before the game, but this Cincy secondary is not good. And Gino did expose them. They got a woozy back and that does help. They got a woozy back and that helps. I, that honestly, honestly, my, my like, non-homer take is the Bengals defense played way better than they played all year. That's a much bigger story than the Bengals offense. Um, You know, like they've not been good and they've been awful against the running game and they were good against the run. They stopped it today. And I felt a little bit like the Seahawks went to to Kenneth Walker too much and forgot about Zach Charbonnet. I think Zach Charbonnet was a guy that could have helped more in this game, gained four or five yards instead of one or two on a couple of those. And so I thought to see, I mean, we'll go back and look, but I thought the Seahawks were playing behind the sticks quite a bit um, in this game. And the the game plan, guys, did you notice Gino was not taking quick shots. No, it he was like so the game slow. plan is to go for like deep throws all the time, right? Those are long developing plays. And I was like, where are the, where are the quick, the bootlegs? Where are the like, mm-hmm. he yeah. was in the middle of that pocket over and over and over again. They didn't move the pocket. So like, I feel like Shane Waldron to me deserves a lot of criticism for lack of adjustment in this game. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. It was so amazing to me. We're like, you know, cause I was doing the live stream with Dan and, and we were like, throw the ball, throw the ball. He just held on to it. It seemed like forever when the pockets obviously collapsing. And I think it was even on the broadcast. They said the plays were taking, taking too long to develop. And it's like, I, I understood them getting away from the run game because the Bengals defense was defending it much better than they had prior. But my question is, is that a, why did they get rid of it completely in those in the two minutes, the last two minutes of the game? Not, not one Gino ran the ball once. Like they did not run the ball at all. It made no sense to me, but it just seemed like everything was taking Gino forever. And was that the play call? Was that Gino holding on to the ball too long? Cause he does do that sometimes. It, that was very frustrating to me. I saw at least a few times where it was Gino. I, like yeah. there, was, there, there are players open underneath and he was trying to go deep and he was, right. and play hero ball. And so definitely some of it's on Gino. I'll just but say it looked like it looked like the game plan was to attack them deeper down the field, and I didn't really get that. No, I'll, I'll just say this: I've I've got to shut my fucking mouth because uh, I have <laughs> some real I have some real fucking tension and um, anger boiling about DK Metcalf. Now he's I want you to high, say more. He's the highest fucking paid player on this football team this year. He is not a fucking rookie anymore. He's a fucking leader on this football team. Yeah. We need him to play like a fucking leader. Yeah. Today was nothing close to that. He cannot be a net negative. It yeah. cannot fucking happen. We, he, this guy acts, walks around, and talks like he is a top five fucking receiver in this NFL, in this, in this football league. And it is so fucking easy to get in, into his head. And completely disrupt his level of play. Completely disrupt it. A fucking toddler could talk trash out to him out there on that field, and he would get psyched out. It is getting exhausting. This is not an isolated issue. This is a trend. I am fucking sick of it. We need DK to be a leader. This is like, That's right. this is getting frustrating. And, and it's because I have high standards for him. 
I, I think he has all the talent in the world, all the gifts in the world. It's because I think highly of him that we need to hold him to that level. He's paid like at that level. He, he's respected at that level. He's expected by this coaching staff to perform at that level. And I'm getting tired of it. I'm really getting tired of it. He can't, he can't have these types of games. So anyways. Yeah. I, I, can, I agree 100%. So. By the way, the 49ers are going to win. So. Uh, no, they're not. Are you serious? Yeah. Someone just Thanks. said 49ers were going to lose. No, they're going to win. In the chat. Oh. You know what, though? That's, they're just like, wait, third and second. at. Oh, my fucking. No, it's it's first down at the 26-yard line for the Browns, or at the Browns 26-yard line, 49 seconds to go. Browns got one more timeout. Uh, now it's second and seven at the 23, so they're, they're going to win. But um, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said, Evan. I, I, we've talked about it a little bit before. I, and it's a hot topic. Fans love this guy, and I, I love him too. He's insanely talented. You think just it's just like – do you think it's controversial? Because I don't. I don't think I don't hear a lot of pushback on that point with fans. I think fans are really feel the same way you do. Like what that? There is no excuse for the way he's been hurting the team. It is very much a me move. It's a selfish decision in those cases. It's about him. It has nothing to do with his team in those situations. It's just exhausting. How many times has Pete said, like in a post game conference, "Yeah, DK and I had a one on one conversation, yep. and you know, I'm just fucking tired of it. I'm fucking tired of these conversations. Grow the fuck up." Like, yeah, it's way too easy to get into his head. It's way too easy. Mm-hmm. And it, it, and it affects, you know, the team's performance. It's just like, we can't keep doing this. Can I, can I ask maybe a more sensitive question? Am I, I don't know if I'll answer it, but you can ask <laughs> it. <laughs> Is Tyler Lockett showing signs of slowing down? I don't think so. I, I'm curious to know why you, why you asked that. I think I, I think I know why that that long TD pass to him, and you were waiting for the burst at the end to go catch that ball, and it went right over his head. I don't see the speed. Uh, the speed looks to me markedly less. It wasn't that necessarily just that play. That play yeah. was Gino had to throw it a little earlier than he intended. Yeah, that's like, fair. To me, it is he is not affecting the game in the way that I'm used to. It's the quickness in in like he is the guy that is often just getting open, and when the offense is bogging down. DK is a guy that's kind of boomer bust. He's not your guy that you get like 10, 10 catches a game, but Tyler is. And I'm a little wondering about that. Um, I did love what I saw from Jake Bobo today though. Um, yeah, that was that good. Was, that was nice to see. And I also thought, like I said before, I thought this was JSN's best game. It wasn't like a, it wasn't a, like game winning performance, but this was a game where, oh my gosh, the field goes no good. 49ers lose. 49ers lose. Imagine, imagine, imagine if the Niners had Jason Myers, they'd be undefeated. Imagine if they hadn't used a third round pick on a kicker. Did they? I completely forgot about that. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They had three picks this year. You're ahead of my, of my TV right now. Well, oh my God, there, he goes, he totally there goes the undefeated it. season. Holy shit. <gasps> shit Which loss is worse today? I, I think it's got to be Browns and Niners. That's such a talent imbalance, right? PJ Walker. Yeah, like, come on. <laughs> I mean, they lost to a third string backup. If, if, if the Niners can lose to the Browns, oh. they can lose to the Seahawks on Thanksgiving. Let me tell you this. That is how important Christian McCaffrey is to him. And that that is going to shake the Brock Purdy people to their core. Because honest to God, had Christian McCaffrey stayed healthy, although the Browns had held him to like 40 yards or something. Like they he had done really well. They had done really well. But yeah, I they're beatable. And when I, I, do, I, am, I am curious about their injury situation. I, I don't say this at all because I want any of this to happen. Uh I will say that I was like taking a walk this week and I was thinking about the 49ers and I was like, you know, my, my general thought is the 49ers could have like three injuries and they'd still be significantly better than the Seahawks. Yes. But then I was like, actually there's, there's specific injuries that matter differently. Mm. And Trent Williams was the, like, if Trent Williams goes down, I think that entire offense, I think he's way more important than CMC. And, really? and 
I do. I think Trent okay. Williams makes that offense go. Okay. And and so then when I heard that he was down, I was like, oh, am I like a warlock or something? Like what the hell? But if he's if, if there's anything seriously wrong with Trent Williams, uh, that's a big difference for that team. CMC, what was his injury? Do we know what it was? Oblique. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> that's, that's a it's a core like it's a ab abdominal issue. So like lost. Depending on what it is, I mean, it's probably not a sports hernia, but you know, like abdominal injuries can be, they can take a while. And for a running back, even worse. Yeah. I think. yeah. I'm like, I'm like I honestly... love that the chat and Twitter is like, oh, I don't feel so bad about today now. <laughs> of course not. Misery loves company, baby. So like, I don't mean to call you baby, but that, but I like that, that was in the the the, the general sense. But yeah. but uh, I mean, Brock Purdy. He went 12 of 27 for 125 yards today. So yeah, he had a tough day. He, he came well. down to earth. This is by far this is Brock Purdy's first loss. Oh as a starter, so right. regular yeah, season loss. So 15 game winning streak. Right. Ended. Debo Samuel, I know he was on the sideline and wearing a beanie. So yeah. whatever they found with him. Mm-hmm. Seems serious enough that they ruled him out immediately. There was no like coming back. So, yeah, um, and good for the Cleveland Browns, man. That that team, that defense is legit. It's a legit defense. I do uh, love after their their quarterback totally uh, just decided not to play football for them today too. So, yeah. is that uh, is that what happened? I thought he was hurt. Like like he was medically cleared two weeks ago, Brian. Is that real? Straight that's, up. So that's what I have been told to you is that he was medically cleared two weeks ago. They're going slow with him because of his rotator cuff issue, but technically he's been medically cleared to play for the last two games. What the hell? I didn't hear that. Mm-hmm. It's very unusual. Mm-hmm. There's apparently a deep discomfort, which because he can't could be true. Have the zip on the ball or whatever. Wow. He should yeah. get a massage. Oh my. Right. What? That helps. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> you got you, Evan. Evan. Good job, Brian. That was for you, Evan. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh my God. No comment. Oh, Tampa Bay has their creamsicles on today. God, love them. I like. Yeah, those are solid. All right, look. All right, yeah. I, 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 I mean. I've acknowledged as much as I can about how shitty the offense was. Gina yep. was not good. Uh, Shane Waldron was bad. I feel like we are just not talking enough about the defense. I'm sorry. Like I, I, I know everyone's pissed off and they want the loss. Trey Brown played a fucking magnificent game today. Yep, he, he was one-on-one with, with Jamar Chase and picks, picks him off. Jamar Chase had 15 catches for 200 yards and three touchdowns last week. Jamar Chase this week had six catches for 80 yards and no touchdowns. Oh, so good. Like he had six catches and 13 targets. He caught less than half of his targets. Devin Witherspoon had three pass breakups again today. I think his numbers are going to be off the charts. I don't think he gave up anything today, really. Um, Draymond Jones had a legit sack. Like he made a difference today. Evan Hill's favorite person, Jaron Reed, had another sack today. When is he going to admit it? Um, we don't know, but we'll keep watching. Boye Mafe had a sack for the third re- week in a row. Like, I get it. I get it. Seahawks lost, but this defense held. I want to look. Um, I got to go play by play for a second here and look. So let me say this. And I think this is where people get real mad at me because, you know, I am such a defense lover and I get it. And I know people are upset, but at the same time, and it's not, you know, the glasses half full, oh, moral victories, all that crap. That's not what we're saying here. But if you're looking about moving forward from a loss and playing the rest of the season and into the future, well, think back to that graphic they had on the screen during the game of the ages of all those defensive players. They're all so young and they played so well. And that just bodes nothing but good things for the future. I, I, I'm excited about this defense for the first time in years, right? And so, yeah, moral victory, no such thing. But at the same time, that can be a silver lining. It really can be. All right. I need to ask you both. After the Bengals scored their first two touchdowns, 
you know, one on a 69 yard drive, one on a 73 yard drive. What was the longest drive the Bengals had from there? Uh, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven possessions, eight possessions after that. What's their longest drive after they scored those two touchdowns? 30 yards, maybe. 30 yards, Dana? I know. I was thinking like 25. 20 yards. Yeah. Oh, my God. They had 11 first downs in the first half. They had four. Four first downs in the second half. So I, 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 I get it. I'm not trying to say this was like perfect. It, anytime you lose, it wasn't. The offense blew it. But man, I am really excited about the defense. I don't. I, that's just how I feel. I'm, I'm very excited about what I saw from the Jamal Adams made it the whole way through. I thought Jamal Adams made an impact on this game. You laugh, but it fucking matters, dude. Really? We're stuck with this guy for the next like three years, like. And he's, and he's like, watch it. I just, I just love that it's like called out that he like stayed alive and was breathing by the end of the game. It's like, uh, yeah, positive. Every single person that is in that locker room is like, oh yeah, Jamal gets to play again. He did play well though. He did play well though. Played well. So I'm not, I'm not disputing that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we don't have to spend too much more time on this. I think we've we've covered a lot of bases on this game. Um, I just. I, what I will walk away from is very different than I think most Seahawks fans. And and I will say one more thing. I, I, Evan and, and, and Dan, I want to know your thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. Like everybody in the first half was just like the Seahawks defense is playing like shit. Did you feel like the Seahawks defense when they were giving up those points was playing like shit? I would need to go back and rewatch those drives, yeah. honestly. It's funny that you say because I, during the first couple, really through the first quarter, I thought, oh, crap, this can be a shootout, which is, of course, right. obviously not what happened. But I thought, oh, my God, here we go. We're going to end up with 30 points apiece at this. Day. It just felt like that, especially after that Seahawks first drive, which was so good. I don't know where it went, but it was so good. But um, I didn't think they were playing badly. I But again, I had watched what Burrow had done the week before, and so I kind of expected Cincinnati I guess that's it I expected Cincinnati to be to be good but I think that you could just feel a difference in the second half of them clicking better like it just like they got a little blood in the water Burrow's legs started to bug him a little bit and so I think that's why it looked so much different but I don't think they were playing horribly in the first half I mean Jamar Chase had one catch for 31 and one catch for 23 those are big yeah the the Bengals didn't have another pass play over 11 yards the rest of the game, like the whole game. Wow. Like, anyway, I, I, I was, I was shocked by how the deep, like every time the defense came on the field after the offense cocked it up in the second half, I was like, here's where the Bengals are just going to like close the, close the books on this game every time. And somehow they got off the field every single time, including that last time where, I in no way expected them to throw a flag and have it be on offensive pass interference. Like, <laughs> I was so pissed with that. It's like, that is not defensive pass interference. And they're like offense. I was like, oh, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> well, here's here's where I think things look. Look, Evan, I think you hit it on the head with Curran. And I think that they need to make a change at right tackle. I think Jason Peters is where I would go with that. Danny, you brought up some foresight. That's another option potentially. But I think they need to make a change there, and they have to hope they get Abe Lucas back, and they have to hope he stays back. And if they don't, it's going to be rough. Could be an issue. Mm-hmm. It's going to be rough. Yep. Through five games, has Gino met, exceeded, or not played up to your expectations for him th- for twenty twenty three? Below. Below. Definitely below expectations. How about you, Dana? Yeah, I would say a little below. I, I expected him to look much like the Gino of the beginning of last season. So it, it has been less for sure. I never expected him to be a top five quarterback, but yeah, I, I would like more from him for sure. I think I'm in the same camp. And uh, if he doesn't lead that game-winning drive for the Lions in Detroit, against the Lions in Detroit, mm-hmm. I think my answer is very different. Yeah. Yeah. 
there's there's just no doubt Gino has not been great. It's so hard to separate Gino from the offensive line, though. It is. And Mm so, like, one thing we've seen with Gino consistently when he's played is when his line protects him, he is one of the best quarterbacks in the game. When his line doesn't, he's not. He he. So like that's the reality. Um, and his line didn't protect him that well today. And so like I think, but I, I thought Gino contributed a lot to that. I I do think he held mm-hmm. onto the ball way longer than he should have. And I think Shane Waldron contributed a lot. So I did find something interesting. I'd love to you know your guys' thoughts on it. it. It seemed to be that almost Gino had made up his mind where he was going with the ball yeah. before it was snapped. He did wasn't making progressions I don't know if that was play calling I don't know if that was get this person the ball go against it I don't know what that was um obviously none of us will because we're not in the you know headset but at the same time I thought and that wasn't something I thought of him before you know I thought he was very methodical thinker and today it was like I don't know it just kind of felt like he had already made up his mind whether it was going to be picked or not you know I hear you well just remember PJ Walker you can have, he has a 45.2 rating. He has zero touchdowns with two interceptions today, and he beats the 49ers. So uh, you don't have to have a great quarterback to beat this 49ers. Team. Anything can happen. <laughs> let, me ju- let me just give a final thought on this game. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that we can excuse as like regression or the ball just bouncing the wrong way or fluky or whatever. Mm-hmm. Offensive line didn't play great. There's excuses. We can make excuses for Gino. The defense, the Bengals defense played better than expected. But there is one thing I cannot excuse away and it's fucking DK Metcalf not playing like a fucking leader for this goddamn motherfucking football team. Mm-hmm. No more excuses. I'm done. Play like yeah. a leader. I think I'm with you on that one, Evan. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. There's no excuses for it anymore. Would so. you trade him? What, what would someone have to offer for you to, to trade him? My, my connection is breaking up, Brian. Uh, <laughs> shit, shit. <laughs> uh, no what, what would someone have to offer to, for you to trade him? You're really putting me on the spot, and you're gonna get me clipped so hard. You're gonna get me clipped so hard, Brian. Oh, I love it. If the Chiefs offered a first and a second, I sure first and a second is that is that your 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 number? I think I th- I think you consider it for that. Yeah, Dana. Well, I I, I wouldn't trade him off season, but not in season. That's fair. I, I just don't trust Tyler to stay healthy. And, and that's nothing against Tyler. I just don't trust all three of them to stay healthy. So I don't think you do it in season, out, off season, depending on how Bobo does for the rest of the year. I think that it is something that you could consider because there's a lot of wide receiver and AV teams out there. But just, again, the Chiefs, they offer you a first and a second. So what? I mean, the Chiefs are going to be picking in the bottom, you know, five anyway. So is that worth it either? I think you have to get a player. I, um, to be clear, my preference is him for him to start acting like a leader. Yeah. Because like he is a blue chip talent. I think with that potential, I don't think he's there yet, but I think he has that potential. I want him to live that potential, fulfill that potential on the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he ever will. I think that's, think that's I, just his personality. I don't think he, I, I think that time has come and gone. His ceiling is not blue chip at this point. His ceiling is to be a like a very good NFL receiver that affects games here and there. But he he has already been a guy, like proven that he's not a guy that teams have to take away every single week and every single play. Like he's just he's not that guy. Um he sh- physically he should be, but I don't think that's who he is. He's I, I don't think he will ever be an all-pro receiver. Like one of the best receivers in the game. I don't think that'll happen with DK. And I don't say that because, you know, I don't want it to happen. But this is a guy that has the physical skills to be one of the best receivers to ever play. Yeah, he really does. And <sighs> I think there's a lot of signs that he's just like there's <laughs> little things that go by other people don't go by me, which are like when he talks about how he marvels at how much Jake Bobo prepares and the so, implications of a lot of what he says, indicating how little he prepares. Um, even heading into the, the Rams game, his comments after that, like there's just a lot of evidence that this guy is getting by on being a physical 
like freak and um, not that he is driven to be the best at his position. I think his approach just doesn't give me that. So I don't hate, I love having DK on the team. I do understand the frustration you're talking about. I had that same reaction, I think two weeks ago, Evan, or whatever, two games ago, um, when he had another one of his like boneheaded things. But um, if DK had like Tyler Lockett's discipline and approach to the game, he mm. would be like a top three receiver. In the oh, a hundred percent. Like without question. A hundred percent. And yeah. it just feels like these maturity issues are things we should not be dealing with at this point in his career. So I think the question about trading him, which by the way, they're not going to do. So it's just hypothetical yeah. is if you believe this team can contend in the next, like by next year, then I think trading DK doesn't make any sense. If you think that this is part of like, you know, this is year one, maybe of a three year, you know, um, process to get there. Mm-hmm. Then I think trading DK makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, but it won't happen. Um, and I still think if you look at the, if you look at the drafts from the last two years, a lot of those players are looking promising. So, you know, we'll see. We will see. Um, all right, let's let's wrap there. Uh, I appreciate Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG, Miss Pink Sunglasses joining the show. Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB, Mr. Brown Glasses himself, and uh, myself, Brian Hauser at Hawkblogger on Twitter. Uh, if you haven't already, give the show a like. Head on over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger and join right now. Get immediate access to the Slack channel, and you can keep talking about the game and telling everybody how our takes were crazy bad. Um, or crazy good, depending on how you you see things. Thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. 49ers lost, so just keep that in your heart. Take care. Hey, folks, this is Brian Nemhauser. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. I want you to know that Real Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast platforms. Go ahead and subscribe. Have all podcasts delivered directly to your phone after each and every show. And then go ahead and leave us a five-star review. Helps us out, gets more people to the show. Then, if you haven't already done it, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger and subscribe for just five bucks a month. Gets you immediate access to our Slack channel. Join hundreds of folks in that community to talk Seahawks about wins, losses, and all things in between. Not to mention, become eligible to win giveaways for Seahawks tickets and get to ask questions of the Real Hawk Talk crew every week on the show. Finally, if you haven't gone to hawkblogger.com recently, head on over. Tail the Tape morning after articles are there every week. Hoping to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show. Go Hawks.